0: What is going on everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Charles Yim here with us. Charles Yim is a successful entrepreneur who has sold two companies by the time he turned 28. Charles has been able to attract top mentors, including the PayPal mafia, Virgin founder, Richard Branson, and Shark Tank investor, Mark Cuban. Early in Charles' career, he joined Fortify. A year later in 2010, Fortify Software was sold to Hewitt Packard for $250 million. From there, Yim went off on his own and launched two startups, which one was called Chatterfly, which sold for $15 million in 2011. Charles has been on Shark Tank over 10 years times and during his time on shark tank he actually raised money from every single shark making shark tank history so before we get started please take a moment to share this episode with a friend charles story is absolutely amazing and i know you will truly enjoy it that being said let's get into the show All right, what is going on everyone? Casey Adams here, welcome back to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today I have Charles Yim here with us. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks,
1: Casey, been uh, waiting to do this for quite some time.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah. So. We first met. I know we were been connected on Instagram, but you're in the venture capital world, and you're someone that I've always looked at on social. Where I'm like, he has so many projects going on. And when we first (laughs) had our first meeting, I was amazed by what I learned about venture capital. But for everyone that may not know, where you currently spend your time, what would you describe as what you do? Uh,
1: No day is ever the same. Uh, Like today, I showed you my calendar just now. Uh, Did a couple investments. advised a few portfolio companies, worked on some of my portfolio companies personally, um, you know, visited a friend, and then now I'm here doing a podcast with you. So every single day is different, and I think that keeps things fresh and really stimulating, and uh, that's my life
0: now, so I can't complain. As a venture capitalist, how are you looking at companies? I know you have a lot of different types of companies that you invest into, and what do you call it? You call it venture...
1: Venture Studio. Venture Studio, that's what it's so, on. Yeah, so for me now I have CMY Ventures. Um, basically it's a hybrid, it's both a hybrid of a studio which deploys a new concept every three months and then the other part of it is basically a fund. So I'll capitalize, form the team, potentially I'll be interim CEO, yep. and at the right time it hits escape velocity, I'll switch out. Like I said to you earlier, place a CEO in place that's actually had an incredible amount of experience and a great background. Yep. Then I'll pull out, take an executive board, chairman board role, um, and I'll let that horse kind of run its, you know, run its course.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So. Where did this all start when it comes to the venture world? Yeah. And how did you end up getting into that space?
1: Yeah, so long story, uh, but I'll make it short. Um, so basically, I was raised by my single mom. Um, my mom immigrated from Hong Kong, actually, with just a couple hundred bucks in her pocket. Um, it didn't work out between my mom and my biological father. And so she had to take care of us. Uh, she was on welfare, um, food stamps. And so my brother and I saw our mom struggle at a really young age, and that's hard on two boys. Totally. And it kind of gets to you mentally, right? Um, and emotionally and so just that, that kind of that stemming uh, just deep-hearted rooted situation really reflected you know and impacted us in a certain way and I remember my my bigger brother he was a little taller than me at the time he's two years older and he's okay. like taps on my shoulder looks down at me and he says hey let's never let mom ever be in this position ever again yep. uh, and so I remember that and fast forward um, you know my brother's done very well he's one of the founding engineers of Beats by Dre
0: um,
1: so my brother's doing fairly well now um, and for myself <laughs> You kind of know my story, yeah. but I'll start from scratch. Um, you know, my mom got remarried, and my stepfather is the was part of the early team of Oracle, yep. uh, Larry Ellison, an early team with Steve Jobs, um, and so you know he had a lot of influence um, on me, kind of in my later years as a teenager. Yeah. He said, "Hey, you know, I was pretty much born and raised in San Francisco, and he said, hey, Silicon Valley's right in your backyard. Why don't you give software a chance?' And that's what I did. You know, um, I got an opportunity uh, at Oracle because he worked at Oracle at the time, yep. Google, but they were both kind of mid stage and uh, a real recruiter actually uh, knocked on my door. It was a company called Sportify Software. I was an early employee, and uh, long story short, it was Enterprise Application Security. And uh, what they did was they basically analyzed all the code for banks, like Citibank. Okay. And there's this boring thing called PCI compliance, right? And The whole bottom line with that business is that they made sure that all the hackers, Russian hackers that were literally stealing 150, 200, 300 million dollars at a time, just within minutes, million, right? That's insane. um, They would basically analyze the code and they'd come to realize that, hey, there's a vulnerability, so they'd patch it up. So that's what the company did. Within a short uh, one year stint, we're at about 125 employees, sold it for a quarter billion dollars to HP. Um, So I was with HP for a very short stint. Um, After the acquisition, I came to realize that uh, corporate wasn't for me and I acquired the majority of the soft and hard skills. But uh, yeah, the, the board itself, it was made up of one individual who was PayPal Mafia. And yep. um, I, I was all, I'll always thank him to this very day. Uh, his name is Chuck Geiger, he's the CTA, CTO of eBay PayPal alongside Meg Whitman, Meg Whitman pre and post IPO. Yep. Um, and so he put basically took me under his mentorship for about five years. I started my very first startup, it was called Chatterfly. Uh, it was the first iOS app for mobile loyalty. So think of a buy 10, get one free card. Yep. A digitized version of that, um, and it's called Chatterfly. I rolled it out. We were in the majority of the 10,000 Main Street in Americas, United States. Um, I ran that for three years. I hired the director of engineering out of Facebook, Karthik, um, and he built the Cassandra project for Zuckerberg. So I pulled him in. Insane. We had a long, you know, nimble, uh, uh, I would say, team, a software engineering team. Eventually, brought in my CTO, Jackson Hole. We got that acquired for roughly about $30 million in total value, cash and yep. stock. I own a good chunk of the cap table. Yeah, That set me up pretty, pretty nicely. And by then I was about 27. Okay. So I was a multimillionaire again, first at 20, 23, 24, then again at 27, but all on my own. Yeah. Company I founded from start to finish, three years in. Um, and so I was pretty happy with that. Got into uh, kind of a golden handcuffs, as you, as you say. I got into a one year um, aqua hire contract with the company that acquired us, which was Plum District. It was during the Daily Deal era, and uh, Plum District was the Groupon for Moms. Okay. Back by Kleiner Perkins, um, and I was VP of Mobile and Design there for about a year. Um, and by then, when you get a company acquired, basically, you know, you, you, you have time to kind of cruise, right? I you're totally. doing your work, <laughs> but I was already thinking about the next thing. And I came down to four ideas, I won't ever forget it. Uh, it was Instagram for video, which was Snapchat now. Yeah. Didn't go for <laughs> it. Second one was kind of silly, it was Whisper. Uh, which is kind of like anonymized, um, kind of rants and comments, but you're anonymous. Yeah. So it's kind of like ru- a rumor mill. I didn't see much utility to that, thank God, because the company Whisper that did do it raised like 25 mil, they crashed. Yeah. The third one was uh, Uber for, ha- uh, for house cleaning. Mm. It didn't sound too sexy, but I look back, I mean, the company's called Handy now. Yep. It's got a multi billion dollar valuation unicorn, did really great, you know, props to the founder, didn't go down that route, but I chose the fourth idea. Which was uh, inventing the smartphone breathalyzer, and the interesting story about that was I was with, and while I was uh, at Plum District, um, basically I was out with I was out with my engineering design team. We are at a bar, we're doing a bonding session, right? Yep. And then the team, you know, started having a f- too many few, be- you know, too many beers. <laughs> uh, long story short, I was always the designated driver back in college, and um, you know, kind of t- put two and two together because there was a square dongle on the bar, t- you know, on the counter at the bar, and uh, mm-hmm. I was like, why couldn't I swap out that that sensor inside so I called my brother actually and I said hey you know hardware and I want to go into hardware yep. right um, I want to learn that game too and I asked him I said can we swap that sensor out and so within 24 hours he, you know we made contact with the Japanese sensor supplier they said hey there's an off sh- off-the-shelf sensor here you go <laughs> plugged it in we had a working prototype in two weeks Wow. Uh, got it on Indiegogo I was one of the first crowdfunding pioneers on Indiegogo acquired 4,000 customers Knew that we had product market you know validation and what yep. have you. That got the attention of uh, you have Clay Newbill and Mark Burnett of Shark Tank.
0: Yep. And then
1: <laughs> so that landed me on Shark Tank. It's an interesting story there. In a nutshell, is uh, they called me actually and they gave me a secret password Constantinople and they said we want you to fly down to Hollywood and you know do the casting. So there was like a thousand plus entrepreneurs in the line. I walked right up front, and I had the breathometer shirt, kind of corny, <laughs> I have to admit. Um, and uh, anyway, I walk, and I feel really bad because I was like, I'm cutting in line, da-da-da. They're like, we've been waiting for you. So I was the first person, to, literally, to film that day. Really? They were waiting for me, and I went in front. I had nothing on me but my shirt and the device, and they're like, they bring me in the room. Everything's open, like empty. Yep. And I was like, what do I got to do? They're like, tell us your name, your age, where you're from, and what's you know what's your company. So I did exactly that, pulled out the device, did a breath test, did the demo, and uh, they called me basically a couple of days later and said, we want you on the show. So I went on the show, I honestly was aiming for Mark Cuban because he's only a tech-oriented yeah. you know, shark on there. Uh, lo and behold, you know, outside of just an, a marketing opportunity, I ended up with all five celebrity sharks on the show. Everyone made, invested. Everyone invested, um, made history on the show, and uh, yeah, been on 10 times since. Behind the scenes, collaborated with other you know, shark entrepreneurs uh, Shark Tank Entrepreneurs and uh, the rest has been history. I think that kind of kick things because I did Richard Branson's version of Shark Tank and out of 20,000 startups, I, I ranked number one.
0: Wow. So what is I, that called again?
1: It's called Extreme Tech Challenge. Okay. And uh, yeah, I got funding out of that uh, as well. And now I'm friends with Richard and I, I can't be more thankful. I'm looking to have him potentially even endorse my new book that's coming out.
0: Yep. I'll, I'll drop it on this <laughs> yeah. uh, on this on this Let's podcast.
1: Uh, my new book's coming out. It's kind of segue. It's called Art, uh, the Art of the Shark Tank Pitch. Wow! Um, but it's the A to Z in terms of how to crafting crystallize the perfect pitch, regardless of whatever your product or service is. Um, so that's coming out in a couple okay. months, uh, and as well as the podcast yeah. that we've been kind of collaborating uh, I'm on. Yeah, so. Just kind of fast forward. Um, that company's still around. Probably gonna exit in the next year or two. Actually, now working on a COVID nineteen breathalyzer. Really, which I think is probably the billion dollar play. That is. That is great opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> and it's helping the world, yeah. right? And so. Now I'm 37, um, You know, I'm now focused more on passion projects and I'm not doing it because it's fun. I'm doing it because there's a real genuine cause totally. and that I can really change the world. And there's a new definition of a billionaire, right? It's a, impacting a billion people, not making a billion dollars, yep. right? And so I'm now focused on sustainability, um, anything that I knew, I know, health and wellness, hardware, medical device, consumer generally. So I have a plant-based superfood company called Vitable yep right and um, we see t-
0: posting about it it looks amazing I've not that's, tried
1: it yet that's yeah if you've heard have you watched the uh, documentary Game Changers yeah. on Netflix yeah. that's kind of what's kind of inspired me uh, to do that outside of now you know uh, living kind of this new healthy lifestyle Yep. and then secondly I have the co-living company I have a Joshua Street p- uh, project with the mineral water and that you know whole eco-friendly solar pod yeah. Um, kind of experience, so that's fun. You have a lot um, going on, I have man. an AI company, right, the Dance Off <laughs> app I'm about to yeah. release. I'll drop that on yeah, here, we, too. Yeah, we were talking about it for a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, it's actually about to launch in the Apple App Store in about a week. It's okay. like Dance Dance Revolution in your pocket. Yep. Um, so I'll show that to you later. But anyway, I have my portfolio under my studios, and I also personally will invest into... <laughs> Very cool projects that I think that are very relevant, but overall the kind of the revolving thesis that I follow is anything related to similar to the United Nations initiatives. So it's sustainability. So it's clean water, clean air, right? Um, Anything with health and wellness, right? Anything that can improve a human life. Um, So it's more about giving back now. Um, I'm very fortunate to be where I am today. I have a lot of mentors, uh, whether it's Cuban or whether it's Richard Branson. you know, so I'm just kind of trying to give it back and pay it forward. Yeah. And you got young guys like you yeah, yeah. crushing the game, <laughs> um, much younger now. And I just noticed the Gen Z, um, uh, uh, I would say demographic versus the millennials, the Gen Z are coming up a lot quicker. They're learning fast. And I think because of COVID, things are changed, yep. right? The educational paradigm shifted, working remote, learning Even remote. Colleges. Yeah, college degrees, do they really matter? Um, you know, I, I took, uh, you know, a lot of my education from Stanford, I'm alumni yep. there as part of the Stanford Stardex Accelerator, um, and, and I look back and it's, it was great education, I wouldn't change it for the world, but does a Stanford degree really hold that much weight like it used to, and I'm speaking from yeah. experience, yeah. Um, it doesn't, and I think it's only re- relevant if you're a scientist or a doctor, but if you're not, you know, you got to go ahead and acquire the, 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 skill the skill sets and the education. It's you can't be experienced. Yeah. Right. Just doing it. Absolutely. So, you know, for the entrepreneurs out there, just go out there, just get it done. Um, find mentors, find advisors. But that's what I did. Yeah. And we're all still learning. I still totally. even also have an executive
0: coach myself. But how have you been, um, able to, been able to find all these mentors? I know yeah. I, I look at you with someone in my network where it's like, if I want to get in touch with anyone in Silicon Valley, you're the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know that you, you've you so many of these amazing relationships. Where did that start? You know, because there's a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that yeah. have done great in business, but they aren't with the Mark Cubans and the Richard Branson. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how have you been able to build this network while building your companies?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a good portion of it is intention, right? Um, I also, part of my book covers uh, how to utilize LinkedIn as, as, yep. as, a, as, a, as a great solution, great tool, right? I believe because of LinkedIn, no one's unreachable. So if you don't have a network, you can build it starting yep. today. Um, build out a really expansive LinkedIn uh, profile and then start linking with the right people. Totally. If you're in the glass industry, if you're in the shoe industry, if you're in the podcast industry, everyone can be reached. And if you need to use social media like Instagram, Facebook, just be smart about it. They always say your network is your net worth. Yep. Um, and I wholeheartedly am, you know, breathing version of that. And so I, I spend the time to cultivate my relationships. And you, and then those people know other people. So it's kind of a ripple effect.
0: So I love that. Yeah. So or, it's kind of organic, but at the same time, yeah. it was a little bit of luck. Yeah. When it comes to being a venture capitalist, how are you managing your time, and how do you analyze deals? I'm sure you have dozens yeah. of deals come across your plate every yeah. day. How are you looking at them, and what makes you one versus yeah. saying no.
1: Yeah, there's a book I read recently, it's called The Power of Saying No, and it's really being able to dilate, right, and, f- and create a, a vernacular, a lens, in terms of what are you passionate about? So I was talking yep. about myself in terms of, I f- I'm focused on sustainability, I'm focused on health and wellness, um, all consumer, all of it's only consumer. I think, going back to Fortify, it was a very boring job, <laughs> boring startup, some enterprise, long sales cycles, um, and it was security of all things. Like, yep. I learned very quickly, consumer is what floats my boat. I was always kind of that lemonade scan stand kid. Yep. I was always a hustler, an entrepreneur. Um, but then within tech, I focus on specifically things that really resonate with me. Um, so because again, I'm on this health kick, you know, plant-based superfood, Vita Bowl, yep. Vita Juice, Vita Bites, right, um, and then co-living, right? You know, the, totally. I have the X-men of co-living, yeah. co-habit. Um, so that's something that really garnered my interest, and so I said it doesn't exist, I'll build it, right? And then the whole. What is that exactly? So cohabit basically take co-living, but it's the X-Men of co-living. So they live in mansions, and there's yeah, these yeah. super entrepreneurs or super VCs, like a place like this, right? You know, you got maybe you know 10 rooms, yep. and you got 10 very, very intelligent, super successful yeah. entrepreneurs or VCs, and I guarantee you, within a year time, years worth of time. You know you'll have 10 beautiful companies that yep. come out of that right And it's just because they're living together eating breathing the same thing yeah um, so i built that company based on personal preference so i follow my passions i do my due diligence i do focus groups i talk to the potential customer yep. if they say i'll bite i buy i'll buy in you you have a business yeah right then yeah. the next question lies in can you scale it um so just about what resonates with you create a thesis some people are really hardcore into gaming. Yep. Some people are really right? Like, you can develop services
0: around your passions. Yeah. I love that, man. When you're saying no to deals, I mean, for anyone that's out there is looking to pitch an investor, yeah. what's your advice to them when going to raise capital?
1: First of all, know your shit. And uh, the book that's coming out tells you know your numbers, right, yep. uh, know your business inside out, anticipate the questions that are gonna come to you, um, do research on your investor, Totally. You, I mean, You need to know what they ate for fucking breakfast. <laughs> Pardon, I don't, I don't know if good. I should be cussing on you're your the show, but uh, yeah, you need to know everything in, you know in and out, right, uh, about them and what they're looking for. So when you're literally, whether you're on set, in my case, or you're, you know, you're meeting them at their house, you know exactly, exactly. what questions that, you know, the, or anticipate the questions they're gonna ask, know what you wanna ask. It's a two-way street, yeah. right? It's a marriage, right? Totally. You have every equal right to ask the questions of the investors they're asking of you, but know your shit inside and out, right? Um, Know your market, know your customer, right? Know your product, right? And if you can, if you actually have something to show that you can demo, always demo your product.
0: Demo. Always
1: demo, and and the art of the Shark Tank pitch, I hit on this so much. If you'll notice on Shark Tank when I was on set, I did very little talking, 45 seconds, had everyone hooked in, and boom, I took out, busted out my uh, smartphone breathalyzer, Yep. Lori came up, did the breath test? Obviously, set it up with the champagne. Yeah, she clocked point zero four percent. They were sold. Yep. At that point, it's like let's negotiate. Let's get the deal done.
0: Love that. So having the having the product to show them is the most critical thing. Hundred percent. Right. Love that. Yeah. If you're going back in time, you know, during time 2020, and there's young entrepreneurs out there, what's your advice to them? That having all this experience that you do now,
1: so that's a fully loaded question. <laughs> um, I would say it's really based uh, on your age and where you are in your life. Like you're you're, like you, you're young. Take, you know, a big fan of Gary Vee, like take every chance, every risk you can and and, and follow your dreams. I think as you start nearing your late 20s, early 30s, in my opinion, you know, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself and my friends and my family, better have your shit together. Like hopefully you have some level direction, you've made some level of, you know, accomplishments. But when you're in your 30s, like myself, you should already start, you know, having success. Yeah. And and that's the point where you start really kind of dialing in to exactly what's your what's your niche, yep. what's your vertical. You know, what are you really good at? None of us are good at everything. Totally. So just get good at one fucking thing. You're amazing at podcasts, right? That's why you're interviewing the best of the best. Yep. Um, for me, you know, I love tech. I love hardware. I love software. I, I'm really good at consumer. I understand the consumer psychology. Yeah. So that's my bread and butter. Everything else, I say no to. I leave it to the experts, right? So just specialize in something, figure out what your passion is. But when you're in your twenties, experiment like hell. Thirties, start doubling down. Forties, yep. hopefully you're retired. You know, on some <laughs> some island. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you know, you 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 you're happy wherever you are in your life.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. When you are on Shark Tank, I think yeah. this is fascinating. You've been on there ten times. Yeah. What makes a deal? work versus not and what would you say about like the whole experience of shark tank right i've watched this show for years now i'm sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there listening that have watched it what was your um just entire experience with the show being on there the after effects and everything that came from it
1: yeah so i think in terms like the perfect pitch and, and making it work it's, it's multiple kind of check boxes, right? You have to have the right product, the right service. It's got to have product to market fit. Totally. Um, hopefully, before you go on there, you have some level of traction. Yep. So for the, for the ones of you that want to jump on the show, there's a timing aspect there. Like if you just have an idea, don't go on. Yeah. If you're still testing the idea, don't go on. But if you actually deployed it, or you've done an Indiegogo campaign, um, you've actually started doing some product beta testing, and you see some proof of traction, you see people willing to pay for it, Yep then that's, that's probably kind of the, 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 the litmus test, right? Um, but then when you go on there, make sure you're able to pitch it in a very articulate manner. Again, know your number numbers, demo it if you can, have an emotional hook if you can, connect and know everyone that's gonna be on set. Um, but it's no, nothing really that much different than doing in real life. You know, When I went on there, I held my own because I, you know, I had thousands of board meetings. Yep. I already sold two companies by then. Yeah. Um, so I had my shit together. But for the ones that are the up and comer, especially the Gen Z, um, just make sure you know you you check all those boxes off, and you you know your stuff. You got everything lined up. It's like a homework assignment, right? Totally. Or you're doing your dissertation. You're not going
0: to go in there empty-handed. It takes a lot of studying, yep. prepping, and grinding, right? There's no substitution for it. Love that. Yep. When you sold your first company, what was that feeling like? And you know what what, what happened on that day? <laughs> <laughs> so when I sold Chatterfly, it's
1: the exact um, opposite. Uh, kind of uh, I would say experience that you would think I had. Most people will probably be like partying and what have you. So majority of my uh, team members, they went out, they had drinks, yep. they're calling me like Charles, come out. I was actually at home sad and depressed. Wow. I was really sad because it was my first baby. Psychologically I almost felt like someone took my kid for him from me. Yeah. It was my baby, right? So you know, yeah I had you know a good amount of money in the bank account. And I was, you know, cheerful. I'm not gonna say I'm completely depressed, but I, you yeah. know, I cashed a check, right? Made a big deposit. But I went home. I was laying in bed. I was kind of just like, you know, rolling around and like, what do I do from now? What do yeah. I do from here? Right? I let go, of, <laughs> completely let go of, yeah, totally. uh, of control of my baby, and so, and it's no longer mine. But for me, my first experience was good and bad. You know, became a multi-millionaire, stoked about it. It's 27. Yep. Um, but the sad part about it I was like, okay, what do I do from here? But it's like I put three years of Blood, sweat, and tears, yeah. and like, what's I? A lot of founders fall in this trap. Like, your baby or your your company is your identity, and for the first time, I detached myself. It's yeah. almost like I ripped my identity. 100%. So, but then once you go through the second time, the third time, you just realize your company is a company, and it's a it's a it's an external entity than you, and yep. you, you don't want to get too emotionally attached. But it's kind of a you know a double edged sword because you want to be passionately connected because that's why you, you're building it. Totally. So you just need to learn how to develop the mental maturity, the emotional maturity to know that that might come and at that time, yeah. that day and time, if it does come, know that you got to kind of taper and peel back, right? So it's experience. I go back to yeah. experience. There's a difference between someone in their 30s and I have mentors in their 40s and 50s. You have every phase of your life at every stage of your entrepreneurial career, there's new sets of skills and, and kind of a new psychological development
0: that you can build on. Yep. So. Yeah. What's your advice to people that are, you know, looking to sell their company that have the setup to do so? Yeah. Like, what have you learned from acquisitions and selling companies? Yeah. Great question. Um, it's all about timing. Um, you know, like for instance,
1: take COVID, right? Uh, had people know yeah. COVID was going to hit. There have been millions of companies, you know, probably getting acquired and sold. Yeah. Some are still able to do it during this time, but it's all about timing. Mark Cuban sold broadcast.com to yep. Yahoo at the right time. Yep. Months later, dot .com bust. Everyone lost out, right? Yep. Timing. Um, just know when to pull your chips off the table. Um, and for me, you know, it, it, you just got to look at the signs. How is the economy? How's your actual respective industry and market? How is it faring? Are the numbers going up or down? How many competitors are in the space? Is it a saturated market? How's your product selling? Selling through if it's hardware, or it's a service. Yep. And is it, you know, recession proof? Is it long term? So, there's a lot of variables you want to analyze in terms of just understanding when is the right time to get out and at the same time, you know, especially Gen Z versus millennials, I think we're getting, you know, more and more impatient in terms of like how much money we want. <laughs> a lot of the younger kids like yourself, you know, they, they want the nice fancy toys and houses, um, whereas the later generations like the baby boomers, they're patient. Yep. They waited till their 40s or 50s to really like, you know, buy their midlife crisis yeah. sports car, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's a balance there, you know, we're in the... Kind of a economy sharing, you know, kind of era now. So it's not about owning things as much these days. Don't get me wrong, a nice car is a nice car. Yep. Nice house is a nice house. But I believe we're in the era of having beautiful experiences and your wealth, your health is your wealth. So wealth, good totally. world, good health compared, you know, kind of paired up with, you know, experiences and adventures. That's being rich. That's being wealthy. It's not the fucking Ferrari that yeah. you have. I've had bunch of supercars. I have nothing right now, at least for now, can't say for the future <laughs> yeah. on my next exit. But for right now, man, I triple down on, you know, being on Richard Branson's private island, which I go to all the time, Necker yeah. Island, than having a Ferrari that sits there and I drive around LA. Like, yeah. you know, that to me doesn't, that doesn't say shape my appetite. Yeah. I like building shit, being around really smart people like yourself, um, innovating, um, adding value to society, adding value to the world. Don't get me wrong, I like my fancy, my nice fancy things night now and then, but don't, don't completely immerse yourself yeah. to the point where it's like it makes you. Yeah, totally. That shouldn't be your identity. Love that.
0: Yeah. What have you learned from being on Richard Branson's private island? Obviously it's private for a reason. Yeah.
1: I mean look, I'm fortunate one of the few that's been on the island. Um, I'm probably going back later this year too. If you want to come. Oh, uh, hey. You're more than welcome. Yeah, hey, I'd love to come by. I put a bunch of catamarans <laughs> together and we have, you know, we go island hopping and we all get yeah. to meet Richard and see Richard. So that's cool. Um, but outside of that, you know, I. I'm used to it, right? He's got his lemurs, Some, uh, small fact. He actually has a majority of lemurs that's a, uh, a kind of a dying species, it's an ex- you know. Wow. It's, yeah, it's near extinct species. He like owns the species. He owns a majority of the species. Wow. The Hurricane Karina went through. <laughs> it decimated, <laughs> unfortunately, half of, uh, yeah, of the population, wow. but anyway, he saved a majority of them, thank thank God. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like literally, you're living on a private island. It's like a little mini zoo. He's got flamingos on there. Yeah, obviously it's got like so many pools and views, and you know we all get to go kiteboarding. So it's, cool! It's, it's I see. Yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of yeah. people have seen it. Like yeah. I have, and it's yeah. like it
0: sounds like that dream island that it's like, whenever you get there, that's an experience we'll always remember. Dude, we'll make it a reality, <laughs> man. Let's go. We'll make it a reality. So. Uh, two more questions before we wrap up how do you spend your time right you have so much so many projects going on how do you spend your time on a day-to-day basis i know you said every day isn't the same but what does your daily daily schedule usually look like
1: yeah i showed you my calendar uh no day is ever the same i will credit and natalia will love me for this uh i have a amazing chief of staff that's been with me for about you know almost close to eight plus years now Uh, we've known each other for almost 10 years but she's been incredible Um, So I I leave it to her kind of to help me manage my schedule and kind of, you know, think for me, right? Yep. Do these things these days, line up this podcast with Casey today, you know, and then you can rest tomorrow. So I I really lean on having a really strong bench team and a a staff that that enables me to do what I do. Um, So it's it's all about team and then knowing how to manage your time. I can't stress for a lot of you guys like put everything in your calendar. If it, if it doesn't, if it's on my calendar it doesn't exist, yep. I literally, I'm a, I Nazi, I'm a Nazi about my calendar. You'll see like everything's booked out. I know for the most part, separate of COVID times, right? Things are a little different now, but try to plan out ahead, months ahead, yep. you know, weeks ahead, days ahead. but. Um, the calendar, use your Google Calendar, man. Yeah. Live by it, it's your Bible, time efficiency, and make sure you're spending meetings with appropriate people. There's a lot of stuff these days we can just do by a phone call or Zoom yep. call. You don't need to drive and spend 30 minutes to go somewhere yep. unless you're doing a
0: physical podcast. <laughs> um, but just be smarter with your time. Love that. Yeah. Last thing for a wrap up, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with all the projects you have going on?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, at Charles M. Michael is my middle initial, Yim. I'm um, on Instagram. It's the same on Facebook, Charles Michael i e. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm very accessible on Instagram. Yep. And uh, I have a big Shark Tank fan base, so you know I interact. I always give out tips. I'm always, you know, uh, willing to mentor and, and yeah. help out. It's all about giving back. Totally. Um, especially to the younger kids. You know, so the ones especially that re- remind me of myself. You know, I'm, I'm always willing to help, so. I love that, I'll
0: yeah. make sure to link that down below so
1: that yeah. everyone can check it out. Yeah, and just one message, you know, I, I, I've gone through a lot of turbulent times as an entrepreneur in my past. Um, you will have hard times, like, I'll give you an example, Perthometer. I had a product recall way back when, you know, got knocked down with, you know, the FTC for five million bucks, got back up. It was, you know, it happens. Fitbit had a yeah. product recall, Jawbone had a product recall, Samsung had a product recall. Um Phillips even did. So it happens. But the point is whether it's funding, whether you know you're not going after the right customer, whether you have a big you know mistake or, or, or a blow up in terms of the team or the founding team because a lot of founders always fight, totally. something's always gonna happen or maybe your board wants to take over your company, which has tried to almost happened to me once. You need to just persevere, stay focused, have faith, and have passion, right? to just kind of see it through. Um, mm-hmm. So the ones that are maybe down on their luck, um, and especially during COVID times, right? I mean, my buddy yep. of mine had a six million dollar funded travel company that was out of Y Combinator, zero Shhh. revenue. So Shhh. they're trying to now to fire sale it, right? That's insane. There's nothing that she could have done yeah. to fix that or prevent right? that, unless you have a crystal ball, yeah. right? Or you're your clairvoyant. So look, you know, think about hey, that's that's the first one. There's gonna be a new company, a new product, and, and the next thing. Um, and, and I have some techniques and, and tips in terms of my book on how to come up with an, the next idea. Yeah. The same system I use, right? Um, and you guys can buy the book if you're interested when it comes out, but otherwise, just persevere, stay passionate, don't get down on your luck. I, I've fallen a thousand times um, yep. before I got back up. And, and just trust the story, don't trust rumors. Don't listen the bullshit. Just stay focused on what's you know at hand, and don't let get, don't let people, especially strangers, because there's a lot of social media bullying yeah. that happens these days, totally. right? Screw them, fuck them, <laughs> right? Don't, you know, DTF, right? Don't give a fuck. But um, uh, you know, just stay focused on your mission and believe in yourself, and uh, you know, have a surrounding, you know, kind of circle of mentors, and, and totally. just follow through, man. Love Do that. what you fucking say.
0: Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Charles. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, man.